0: Everyone, welcome to uh, another episode of Turdy for Turdy. I'm your host Andrew. I'm here with Maher. Hi. And uh, yeah, you know we're gonna do do the huge. We're gonna break down. Oh God, I said huge.
1: Hey, I mean that's not a huge mistake.
0: <laughs> we're gonna break down a little sports history for you. all Talk about it, joke about it, laugh
1: about it. Um, Live, love, laugh, cry, eat a pizza.
0: So you know what week this is, right? And it's not LSU week. Um, it's nothing with LSU.
1: Every week is LSU week except for next week cuz they're on bye.
0: No, this week is Redskins and Cowboys rivalry week. Yeah, baby.
1: Oh man, the Cowboys and Indians, you know, the the a tale as old as time. Till as old as time Well you know a couple weeks ago I would have said that the uh, Indians were gonna Scalp the Cowboys But uh I mean the Redskins were gonna scalp the Cowboys But the Cowboys have uh, Kind of turned things around Maybe it's cause they've been playing mediocre teams But who
0: knows Way to make that sound
1: Totally racist It's all your well, fault it
0: has nothing to do with the name Of one of those teams
1: Well you know I personally find the Cowboys very offensive. I did see That's what I what, was talking about. What about, about the cowgirls? Cow sure. They need a general, a gender-neutral name like the cow people.
0: I like that, the cow people, the boo cows. All right, so it's no secret. Cow
1: people look like cows, taste like people. Wait, what?
0: (laughs) It's no secret um, to you and to people that listen to that other show we had, All Things Football, and maybe this one too, but I'm a Redskins fan. But – for Redskins-Cowboys rivalry week, I decided that we're going to talk a little bit about the history of why these teams don't like each other, and I'm trying to take the most unbiased approach
1: that I can. So I feel like this isn't going to be unbiased at all.
0: It, I did a good job, I think. So here's what's going to happen. I'm, first, I'm going to give you the history of why there's a rivalry to begin with, because it's more than just, you know, Cowboys versus Indians and, you know, like the old kid game and all that. There's more to the story. But well, that really
1: wasn't a kid game. It's actually a part of history.
0: Anyway, I tried Read to, <laughs> I tried to, I tried to take uh, you know big moments from each team and add those in. So we're going to talk a little bit about, like I said, about the original history, and then I'm going to bring up some. I'm going to tell you some of the the best stories from the rivalry as it spans from all the decades.
1: I um. You know, when you said I wasn't going to guess the topic, I didn't think you were going to, you know, go all homer on me, but... Oh, we're going uh, totally
0: homo this week.
1: I got scalp on my face.
0: (laughs) Alright, so, our story begins in 1958. Now, they played their first game against each other October 9th, 1960, but where we need to go, we need to go back to 1958. Are you ready for your movie and song from that year?
1: Uh, yes, I am, Doc. All right.
0: The number one movie of 1958 was South Pacific. <laughs> Ooh. Actually, so I've heard of that movie a lot. I've never actually seen it, but I know it's like a really historical musical. Um, yeah,
1: it's it's actually one of the few musicals that I liked, even though I, I really don't know how um, music and song and dance fits into, yeah, uh, you know world war Two situation that's what i was
0: gonna say because i like i looked i saw south pacific i was like oh south pacific and then i, I thought to myself like i wonder what that movie was about because i always thought it was just like a world war ii musical but i knew there had to be more to it than just fighting in songs uh, i didn't know it was about like a u.s nurse that falls in love with a french plantation owner that has mixed race kids i did not know all that
1: I've seen that, but I don't remember that happening. You know, I th- my favorite musical rendition was uh, My Friend Got Murdered by the Japs and They Sewed His Balls in His Mouth.
0: Uh classic. Did that that one? A, a Tony It's a little award, bit of a right? tongue
1: twister, but, you know, it's, it's heavy lyrics, but, you know, you can tell it, it comes from the heart.
0: Well, the 50s were a different time. <laughs> <laughs> also, the top song of 1958 was Valer by Domenico Madungo. And so before you talk. Wait, wait no, no, no. I want to say something. Before you say anything, I have come to realize that every time I look this up, the, fir- the number one song of the year is some super shitty sh- song that no one's ever heard of. And then the rest of the billboards filled with like huge hits. Like 1958, Purple People Eater came out that year and Tequila came out that year. Bum, Ooh, bum, tequila. Bum, yeah, so that song came out, but Valar Valer by Domenico Madungo was the number one song. Explain that to me.
1: I don't know. Is this like international stuff? Like I feel like you're No, looking I'm it looking it at wrong. the
0: Billboard Top 100. You're
1: looking at American hits, right? Yes. Purple well, that People don't sound Eater was like
0: the 10th song on the list. It's a flying purple people eater.
1: I mean that's my favorite song cuz you know um uh, I'm I like to wear purple and I like to eat people. I mean what? That's the Grimis second is a cool guy. That's
0: the second joke you made about eating people. I'm becoming concerned.
1: Well, I mean, I had this delicious, super tasty uh meat the other day that I I underprepared and you know, I thought it might have been, you know, delicious cow, um uh, but it you know, I was t- informed that it might have or might not have been people. Um, I later found out that it was Raccoon. I was about to say, uh, this is
0: starting to sound suspiciously like an episode of Always Sunny. I also yes, think it, I'm it, starting it exactly to see was. a thing where we're like referencing Always Sunny in every single episode.
1: Well, I mean, I had to do something to add levity when I have mentioned eating people multiple times.
0: That is true. I mean, you have to have an excuse to bring out eating people. You can't just keep talking about eating people, and if you say it too much, it's going to weird people out. Eating people.
1: Yeah, um... Yeah, I don't know why that's such a t- touchy subject. You think people would be kind of cool with it? I mean, because you are what you eat, right? Yeah, it's as touchy as a uh,
0: as uh, the blue or white and gold dress thing from a couple of years ago.
1: Wait, what? Oh, was that the stupid Facebook thing that was BS? Or... I,
0: everybody got in an argument about that. Never forget.
1: I'm pretty sure that like Facebook was just in there like changing color filters on everybody's so that you're like everybody's just arguing and they were trying to start the next world war so that uh, Zuckerberg and his army of robots could eventually take over the world <laughs> alright so back
0: on topic you're not allowed to bring up Jeff Bezos or Mark Zuckerberg for the rest of this podcast but it's all over the news
1: I want to talk about modern day slave labor and union busting and I want to talk about robot CEO billionaires. That's what I want to talk about.
0: Well, no, we're not talking about that. What we are Uh, talking about is a Texas oil tycoon named Clint Murchison Jr. was trying and failing at bringing an NFL team to Dallas. Negotiations with two different teams had fallen through. But in 1958, Murchison heard that George Preston Marshall, the Redskins owner, was trying to sell his team. Both parties had a deal and were signature away when Marshall decided to change the terms. Clint was so upset that he canceled the whole sale. So there was a point I in time where the Redskins deters. could have ended, ended up in Dallas,
1: which would have been just terrible. I don't know if Dallas Redskins would have had the same uh, the same ring.
0: Yeah, I don't think the name would have stuck.
1: Where are the, the, the Dallas Native Americans? <laughs> I don't know. The I don't even Dallas, know what you call uh,
0: like the Dallas Red Cows.
1: We're the Dallas debutantes.
0: <laughs> Ugh, that sounded so yeah. gross.
1: Well, I mean, like it
0: just—I just saw this like woman with big blonde hair sitting there smoking one of those cigarettes with the little sticks that you put the cigarette to, and so she's holding like a three-foot cigarette essentially. And she's like, mm, "I always root for the Dallas debutantes."
1: i essentially thought of that recurring character from futurama the like old hag lady that had like the super wrinkly skin and was like some kind of streetwalker looking lady and she always had a cigarette and talk like hey what are you doing are you talking about the one that's basically
0: the same character in a disenchantment that's a fairy now
1: yeah and i'm also pretty sure that she's the same character that was in The Simpsons. Yeah,
0: the mother, Skinner's mother.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm 100% sure it was like the same voice. You know, yeah, Matt it Grinning def- with his was. groaning with his originality. Uh,
0: during the same time that that deal fell out, Marshall and the Redskins band director Barney Breeskin had a falling out.
1: That's a name right yeah, there.
0: Yeah, and he spells Barney B A R N E E. Um. So, th- hold on, slow down okay. here. So, think about this. His name is spelled B-A-R-N-E-E-B-R-E-E-S-K-I-N. He's got a lot of fucking E's in his name.
1: Um, Yeah, that's a lot of E's, you know. Um, well, you know, you could say he won the lottery.
0: But, um, Breeskin wrote the music to the Redskins fight song, Hail to the Redskins. It's a song that's still played in the stadium today. It's... You know, it goes, hail to the Redskins, hail victory. Braves
1: what Braves a on way. the
0: warpath will fight for old DC.
1: What that a way song. to honor, you know, a, a people that has their own songs and music by creating a super American version that hails them victorious when in reality we eradicated their culture.
0: Well, he didn't write the lyrics to that song. Actually, Marshall's wife wrote the lyrics to that.
1: Oh, so she's classy.
0: So every game the band would come out and perform the fight song at halftime in the pregame. There was also some dancing Indian princesses that would come out. It was like a big like college band it had Wait, all the stops.
1: Indian princesses. I didn't realize that the uh, Indians had a, you know, monarchy.
0: Look, we know it's the Native American princesses, but I was when I was reading this uh, No, I'm just it, saying they there were wasn't like as a, the Indian princesses. So I was There wasn't keep an
1: it. Indian king. They had chiefs. Well,
0: you're right, I don't know, man. It's, it's not the like we've Americanized oh, how uh,
1: i king of Indians.
0: this is what happens when you appropriate appropriate somebody's culture, and that's what we're doing here uh <laughs> I just
1: and be white.
0: It's really weird because, you know, I don't want to insult anything they do, but maybe the Indian princesses was a little over the top. I can admit that. I mean, is
1: that the terminology that they had written down or did you make that up?
0: No, I didn't make it up. That's what it said. And it said it in two different articles. So I was like, well, that's sticking.
1: You know, I usually don't care if I offend people and stuff, but. and, And at this point, like, I don't. It's not that I care about you know not pissing off the Native American people it's just that like names are names and you know if you're going to throw around terms like princess you you better damn well know if they were a monarchy or something they were <laughs> not a monarchy it was it was they, their terminology was not using king and queens it was you know chief and you know other stuff
0: <laughs> well it was what it was so Breeskin was mad that Marshall didn't pay him for the music and he did kind of the unthinkable. He turned to a guy named Tom Webb, who happened to be Merchantson's lawyer and sold him the song for two thousand five hundred dollars.
1: What wow, I'm I'm glad that they were able to, you know, get that extra five hundred dollars in there.
0: <laughs> Nothing like taking a song that's important to your team and to your stadium and selling it to your arch rival.
1: Wait, so I'm confused. So he sold the Redskins song to the Cowboys?
0: Yeah, he sold it to the lawyer of the guy that was trying to bring the team to Dallas. He sold it to Merchinson Jr.'s lawyer. Continue. So eventually, Merchinson got the support of George Hallis, the expansion committee chairman. He proposed his Dallas franchise before the owners. In order to get the team in Dallas, he had to get a unanimous vote to proceed. Every owner was excited about the expansion but one. George Preston Marshall. The Redskins had a strong following in the south and didn't want to lose that to the Cowboys. And if you think about it, that kind of makes sense because they were close to Virginia so I could see where that would you know that would be popular down Wait, the whole east coast.
1: Dallas isn't close to Virginia. No, the
0: Redskins the Redskins had a big following in the South during this time. They were very popular in the South. Huh. So Merchantson had one over on Marshall because he had the rights to the song. Um, Marshall didn't want to approve of the franchise because he didn't want the team in Dallas. And he also had told some people that he thought Merchantson was obnoxious. But because Marshall needed the song, he ended up approving the expansion, and got the song back. The Cowboys were to begin playing in 1960.
1: Well, this just started out, you know, not petty at all.
0: Yeah, the Cowboys and the Redskins rivalry is founded on pettiness, and it doesn't get better from here.
1: It just doesn't make sense. Like, how did it start off that aggressive? (laughs) Like, it's just a bunch of people who haven't even, like, played a game yet. It's just a bunch of suits sitting in, like, a... A room well, hey I'm gonna buy me them their football team guys like uh, hey how dare you try to buy that football team So I let me, am let me, the Redskins me, owner but not me, of the people of the football team let they me explain this to you proud.
0: when one dickhead hates another dickhead dickhead problems are founded
1: it's true you know so sim, i I I, agree. I understand why the situation's happening it's just so stupid like it's not like this is something that's been going on it starts off hot out the gate and it's like you all got money like you know just check your white privilege bro <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh similar to expansion drafts, the Cowboys were able to pick teams from established organizations. In addition to the three Redskins players they took, the Cowboys also traded their first and sixth pick for the 1961 draft for Pro, Bowler, Pro Bowl quarterback Eddie LeBaron. The team convinced him to come out of retirement and be the first franchise quarterback for the Cowboys.
1: So he Wait, had already so-
0: retired, but they still own the rights because back then you still had the rights to like players that are retired. They were on your team for life, basically, unless you trade well- them.
1: What was the retirement age back then, like thirty, when you were already brain damaged and like,
0: I would say no because people like Sonny Jergensen played forever. Sonny Jergensen was like forty something and still playing, so quarterbacks could last. This,
1: well Sonny Jergensen was a quarterback, right? And yes. you're gonna like get annoyed at me. Because I know you have the jersey, but all I know is his name is Sonny in Jergison. Yeah, I'm looking so at the the jersey I, I, framed up
0: on my wall right now. I, I you, can't son.
1: imagine being a quarterback at that point in time cuz you didn't have the protections like now a quarterback can realistically, you know, being play play till they're 45 especially when they're, you know, having their crystals and their uh avocado ice cream every day.
0: <laughs> well, and he also drink water to cure concussions.
1: Well, that's scientific proof right there. They did it in mice, and, and only most of the mice died. Are you feeling this? But they didn't die of a concussion. They just drowned. But it's because three mice fell into a bucket of cream.
0: Hmm. One mice started stirring, and the other mice just, just sat there, and he ran till his little legs kicked off. <laughs> mm.
1: <sighs>
0: have you seen my rhinocosaurs?
1: It's fantastic.
0: In December of 1961, some Cowboys fans snuck into D.C. Stadium. Uh, It was called D.C. Stadium at the time. It would later be known as RFK.
1: Oh, I was going to say, that's a very, like, uncreative nickname. Like, hey, where are you going? We're going to D.C. Stadium. Like, oh, cool. Like, that's not a good name.
0: Yeah, no, this is later known as RFK. Uh, They snuck into the stadium with several large bags of chicken feed. Two large crates of chickens were smuggled into the game and went unnoticed. At halftime Wait, of the game,
1: what? You're telling me there was just chickens roaming around the, the, the whole stadium? Well, I will say that pretty much, and you know, other people, you can, you can chime in or not if you want to, to send an email to us, um, but there are, in every stadium, in my experience, there are stray cats everywhere. True. If there was chickens roaming around, well,
0: I never said there were chickens ro- roaming around. I said they brought in chicken feed. I haven't gotten to the part where. They- well, I did. I you said specifically I
1: said, said chickens. They had
0: two large crates of chickens smuggled into the game. They hadn't released them yet. I never say the chickens were re- released into How the stadium. How the
1: hell do you smuggle live chick You couldn't do that now. I mean, like, do you walk through the melt detector with these like? pallets of chickens
0: i have no idea how they got those two crates how in do you there
1: sneak in live chickens into anywhere like
0: the night the 60s man different time
1: i mean even pre 9-11 how the hell do you sneak in like a crate of live chickens multiple crates of live chickens like there's only so many access points to the stadium you gotta know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody to do that okay
0: so i did i did read this like I read a couple of different versions of the story, and one they said it was just cowboy fans, and the other one said that it was friends of and uh, Jr., so friends of the Cowboys owner. So, so that, that,
1: hey, I got a sweet. Um, I uh, I ordered some live chickens. We're gonna do a whole uh, a whole thing.
0: I stuck with the I stuck with the term Cowboys fans just because I couldn't ever. Um, 100% proved that they had any kind of relationship with the owner. But it's possible because, like, one of the stories said they did. So, Well, knows?
1: I mean, I don't like Cowboys fans, so I'm okay with that.
0: So, anyway, they had a plan with these chickens. At halftime of the game, Santa Claus was going... Uh, let me start over. The Redskins... Oh. oh, wait.
1: So, you didn't even talk about the time of the year. So, yeah. in my mind, it's like it's September. No, and no, then no. You no. threw in Santa Claus, and now, all of a sudden, it's like the end of the season, and... So it was December,
0: and apparently every year the Redskins had some big like Christmas extravaganza during their, one of their games in December. And so Santa Claus was going to be taken across the field by Alaskan snow dogs on a sled.
1: Okay, because that's part of the Christmas music. You
0: know the myth of Santa Claus riding to everybody's house and going up their chimney on snow dogs?
1: Yeah, well, that's that actually was the plot of the uh, the movie that never happened, Snow Dogs 3. Snow Dogs um, 3, S- North Snow Pole Dogs.
0: to New York. Yep. Uh, so their plan was, obviously, they were going to release the chickens when Santa was crossing the field. They had 75 white chickens and one black chicken. Now, why what? only one black why, chicken? Why are asked? the
1: colors relevant? How, All look, chickens matter.
0: Let me tell you. It was to symbolize how Marshall, George Marshall, was the only owner who refused to recruit a black player onto a team. Actually, that's
1: surprisingly deep.
0: And here's a quote that um, he was quoted as saying. He said, "We'll we'll start signing Negroes when the Harlem Globetrotters start signing whites.
1: Oh, my God. They did sign whites. What do you think the Washington Generals are made out of? This
0: dude's a real winner. So, but
1: seriously, like, that shouldn't be your... The- like, the Har- Harlem isn't freaking Harlem. And at that point, probably wasn't what it is now, where it's like a national showcase. It was a Harlem thing. It wasn't like... And that's what Harlem was. Now Harlem's got probably more white people than anything else. But, you know, stupid hipster. And this is three years before the
0: civil rights movement. So, like, oh. this was an issue, though. I mean, people okay, this, obviously this all, knew this was this an all, issue, but...
1: I I forgot about history um and how stupid it was. So they should what they should have done is just put chicken in the the front of the bus. It's still
0: pretty bad when you're the only owner though that's like against that. That's not a good sign. That means well, the rest of the league is way more progressive than you at are. At a
1: certain point, you're just being a dick about it because you're at that point disregarding athletic ability just because you're some kind of bigot you know i feel like you can have your opinions whether or not you think certain people are bobbing other people yeah i mean he drafted he drafted a, a black quarterback and he obviously is not a, a fan of Oh. Of every single it's race It's not about person. the
0: color, it's just... Well, it is about the color. He's just not allowed to talk. As long as Deshaun Watson doesn't say anything or have any feelings towards anything, it's fine. It's totally there's
1: fine. A, there's, yeah, there's a reason God gave him cancer.
0: <laughs> Whoa. I'm pre- didn't he have cancer? I don't remember. You might be I right. I think
1: he was sick. He was really sick. So there's a reason bad things happen to bad people. They also happen to good people, but mm-hmm. they mostly happen to bad people
0: so right before the prank was about to start a stadium usher noticed a man guarding two great crates and
1: he also heard <laughs> the chickens <laughs> <laughs> they, they made like, the whole game with these like chickens chickens are so loud like how the hell do you just make one guy stand over there hey why is I'm... that guy standing next to all these chickens oh wait why are all their chickens over here hey
0: do you hear something oh yeah it's the new uh, chicken sound pumped into the stadium we pumped in chicken noises to make the stadium louder nah i don't think that's it, it sounds like it's there's the, live chickens over there it's
1: it's the by the way chickens are nasty animals <laughs> they, they, do these chickens particularly have large talons do chickens have large talons
0: Um, So the chicken guard attempted to bribe the usher with $100, (laughs) but the usher wasn't actually an usher. In fact, he was the Redskins general manager, Dick McCann
1: wait how do you confuse a general manager for an usher was he wearing like their uniform or did all the ushers just wear suits and stuff back then
0: i don't know i he was down on the field i guess he looked like he worked at the stadium he didn't look like he was a big part of the team but it turns out he was the general manager
1: it's probably like that undercover boss thing before it was cool
0: so we tried to bribe him with a hundred dollars it didn't work and our chicken guard was arrested and the chickens were confiscated and then eaten by the team at at uh, dinner time
1: can, can we um uh, can we applaud for a minute the ingenuity of these people which I wouldn't have thought Cowboys fans would have been this smart I know it was it's a, how it failed how the hell I mean, let's
0: not forget that this stupid prank actually failed and failed miserably but still how the
1: hell do you get to a point where you literally fell at sideline like you have to get the chickens into a stadium and then stage them somewhere in a stadium where there are like probably what 80,000 people how the hell and there's people walking by all the time how the hell do you pull that off like to fail at that particular moment It's still like a super huge success. It doesn't make any freaking sense.
0: Well, look, the Cowboys fans aren't as smart as you think because they made a critical error at not just releasing the chickens when they got them in the stadium. Well, you you tried to wait and make a you tried to wait and make a scene when Santa Claus came out when you could have pulled this off just at a random time in the game.
1: They should have done it like second play. Boom! It happens. Game never really kicks off. Ruins their momentum. Boom. So the
0: following year, and the night before the third Redskins and Cowboys matchup in less than a year, uh, so you know they played the. They were in the same division, so they played each other twice a year. So this was the so third they started matchup.
1: Off, this is going to sound stupid, but so they started off in the same division, so they were all they were both NFC East the entire time.
0: Well, it was not NFC East back then. Uh, remember that was oh, actually. Was it the NFC East? It was NFC. I don't remember if it was the East back in the 60s, to be honest. But they were in the same Well, I guess
1: region. there wasn't as many teams, so I'm being stupid. But so that's anyway. That's a whole other story for another day.
0: So some other pranksters sneaked into George Marshall's hotel suite the night before the game and dropped off a large turkey in the bathroom.
1: <laughs> Man, I, um, th- these are some very foul pranks. So when
0: when Marshall went into the bathroom the t- the turkey puffed up and gobbled at him causing Marshall to run out of his room.
1: <laughs> I'm imagining some I'm imagining this, this man by the way eternally wearing suits. Like I imagine him going to get in the shower but still wearing a suit. And then him like opening the shower curtain in a turby a, t- a turby a turkey just gives him, like, this, like, death stare and then gobbles at him. And then he just, like, runs screaming, arms flailing in the air, just, like, through the hallway. Like, still having a towel wrapped around him, but also still wearing his Like, suit. he
0: takes his shirt off and he has a suit drawn on him in Sharpie or something. Like, always gotta be uh, in the suit.
1: Well, you gotta have your shower suit. And you gotta have your pajama suit. You know, you gotta have your swimsuit.
0: So, chickens are nice, Marshall said, but a man shouldn't fool with a mad turkey.
1: (laughs) I would rather deal with a turkey than a freaking chicken.
0: So, just minutes... Chickens are the devil. Now, um, a couple of games later against each other, just minutes before kickoff, um, Hell to the Redskins started playing through the stadium. Four banners reading chickens... One at each 50-yard line and one in each end zone were unfurled at the stadium's upper decks. Two acrobats hired by Cowboys fans and the Chicken Club founders Bob Thompson and Irv Davidson. Yes, they gave themselves a name as the Chicken Club because they kept playing, trying to do chicken-related pranks.
1: Can can I ask a question? Yes. Why why chickens? Like, I mean, I guess you can't, like, throw... Indians out there, but I mean, why chickens? Like, there's so many things you could do. You could do confetti, balloon animals, fireworks. They were the chicken club. But but yet, we're gonna harm all these live animals. They
0: were the chicken club.
1: I mean, I guess it's a figure-looking good idea.
0: So they got some University of Maryland students to help them under all those banners.
1: Wait! University of Maryland Oh, never mind. I forgot what part of it. So, Cowboys fans went to Maryland to recruit people to help them in the scheme against the local, one of these semi-local teams. Correct. Or a team that was at least closer to them than the Cowboys were. Correct. They really are America's team. So,
0: So, like I said, they hired two acrobats and they rushed onto the field dressed in chicken costumes and began to throw colored eggs. One was apprehended whoa, by... Whoa, I yeah. think,
1: I think the, uh, the term is uh, tie-dye.
0: <laughs> okay, sorry. That's, Painted just... eggs.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's better. One was
0: apprehended by a guard, and the other was a little bit too elusive. By this time, the band was playing the national anthem and was unable to move out of the way. The lone chicken acrobat reached into his bag and released a chicken and then returned to his egg throwing. He carried a chicken in a bag down to the field with him.
1: Where the hell, like, I imagine them arresting these people and, like, confiscating items from them, and then them letting them pick up their stuff, like, a week later, and there's just dead chickens in all their backpacks I need to go stupid. to my
0: car real quick. I've got 20 yeah. other chickens out there, and yeah. by arresting me, you're killing off all my chickens.
1: Yeah, it's like, hey, we impound your car, and it's like, oh, no, what about the chickens? So Damn like, you! <laughs> I had 20 chickens in the trunk, and it's like, uh... I don't think you have any more chickens.
0: So he ran to the sideline. He then attempted to leave the stadium by jumping over a bench, but slipped. A group of security guards apprehended him, but he was able to break free. He made it back to the 50-yard line, turned and did a cartwheel, then ran and flopped onto the 30-yard line. By this time, only aware that the national anthem was over, the two teams rushed on the field in the middle of the chaos. In the midst of the ruckus, the man made it off the field and
1: into the stands. I don't understand any of this. These players watched all of this ridiculousness occur and then decided, let's just go play the game. And this guy was just like face planted on, you know, in the middle of the field and he just sneaks off like. Okay, I'll give the benefit of the I, doubt to
0: the players because have you ever been in a situation where something so just incredibly wacky is happening that you think it's like either staged or supposed to be there? Like, I feel like that's probably well, what happened. Now
1: there. I probably would, but back then, you know, everybody was pretty clean cut about stuff. You know, it it was, you know, I I I don't know. This whole situation is weird. Did the guy also pull a chicken out of like of nowhere and like I uh. Just like I Jason
0: Winton said, maybe he pulled a rabbit out of his head.
1: Yeah, you know, well, you know, if I ever saw a, ra- a magician pull a rabbit out of his head, I would be very impressed.
0: I loved that. That, by the way, let's just take a little side tangent on that. No, that was that was hilarious. that was amazing.
1: That was amazing. It's like he he like had th- what three almost references in that, that game and it was like what the hell are you he talking about He said like man? a couple
0: of stupid things. He said that one and then he said they keep tripping over their own feet.
1: <laughs> Actually I've heard that one before. Well uh, shoot yourself a in the foot's one. more
0: common so it just sounded weird. Yeah, um, well, I did I mean, hear a joke that said shooting yourself Aaron, in the leg. maybe Aaron Rodgers pulled the rabbit out of his head and that's that makes him he'll, that'll make him stop doing a weird country accent every time he's interviewed now.
1: Well, that and, like, taking heavy-duty pain medicine to force yourself to play a football game. Yeah, that's, a, that's
0: weird that it's, if he's taking pain medicine that makes him have a southern accent, like, I'll have what he's having.
1: That seems, that seems like he's feeling it. It's like, what, what do you call that? Oh, we call this the country grammar.
0: So, although the real chicken was caught, the acrobat chicken was never apprehended.
1: Wait, now, now that you said acrobat chicken, I am picturing a chicken and a leotard.
0: <laughs> I'm picturing it now too It's really funny uh, The next day while reporting The 38-10 to 10 Cowboy victory The Dallas News scoring summary Ended with Attendance 49,888 And then in parentheses And one chicken
1: <laughs> Oh my Oh the funniest thing about this is the Cowboys are like still winning, so it's not like it's Well, it's not the like Redskins kind
0: of dominated like the first year, but they were both really bad teams. And then the uh the Cowboys uh
1: But it 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 just seems like the Cowboys have been the the catalyst behind all this and then they like kick their butt but they're the ones being the pettiest about it. Like why? And
0: something I forgot to to mention that first season, the Redskins won the, the chicken game, the first one. Uh, actually, I'm sorry. The chickens won uh, the chickens, the chickens, the, chickens, won. chickens. Uh, the Redskins won the first ever game between the two teams. And um, that year, the Redskins, that was their only win of the season. And the Cowboys won none game, no game. So that was like the none. level of the teams at the beginning of the, wow. this rivalry. That's,
1: that's really, really bad. I mean, yeah. Uh, from,
0: let's fast forward now. From 1965 to 1967, the Redskins and Cowboys were led by quarterbacks Sonny Jergensen and Don Meredith. Uh, these two played four games against each other with a combined total of 222 points, and there was only 10 points of overall difference in those four games.
1: Wait, whoa that's just games against each other yes
0: how many over how many years four it was four games so two years four games against
1: each other 222 points associated to both of those people yes holy crap well the total team score like both
0: you combine both of their scores for the four games and they had 222 points
1: that's a lot of points for back then.
0: And also there was only a 10-point difference when you combined in all those four games. So it was, it was, every game was super close.
1: Every game was a shootout. Wow. It's um, a fox in the henhouse type of situation.
0: So some say the rivalry really began when George Allen was hired by the Redskins in the 70s. The Redskins played the Cowboys three times that year on their way to a Super Bowl against the Miami Dolphins in 1971.
1: Had they play three times? They Two played times? Him in the playoffs once. Uh, well, how did they? Oh, wild card, I guess. Yeah, wild card, bitches.
0: No divisional. I think it was divisional. Um, so George Allen's Redskins team during this time, and this is kind of a side note, but I always thought this was funny. Uh, the team got the nickname "the Over the Hill Gang" during that those first couple of years under George Allen.
1: Was it because the uh very popular Iron Man song that would come along? Ten years later, that was a run to the hills.
0: <laughs> New, no. um, so it actually started at the nineteen seventy one draft. The Redskins traded for their five, four of their first five picks, because Allen was looking for a veteran presence that he didn't have to teach the NFL game to, and the average age on the team was thirty one
1: years old. Wow, that's a That's not good, even for now. Well, it was good. good. They got to a Super Bowl. It worked. Well, it's a short-term solution, but creates a long-term problem.
0: Uh, When George Allen took over as the Redskins' head coach, like I said, the rivalry really ramped up. The Cowboys were um, convinced that Allen had spies watching the Cowboys' practices in the weeks leading up to the games. They thought they Whoa. did this several times, like 71 and 72.
1: So they were the Patriots of, the, of that time? So here's what they said happened. Or the Houston Astros, if we want to be relevant.
0: <laughs> hey, don't talk about my Astros like that. So they're, they're still losing right now. It's 4-1, to one, and that will not be relevant when this comes out. So it had to do with hotel rooms. Um, there were hotel rooms with perfect views of the Cowboys' practice field. Larry Wansley, the Cowboys' director of security, was hired by GM Tech Schramm to not only address serious issues like fan and team safety, but also look into possible shenanigans by the Redskins, which they felt continued into the early 80s.
1: Wait, shenanigans? Is that that uh, really popular restaurant?
0: No, it's Tchotchke's.
1: chotskys. Um, I thought that was what Joni loved
0: (laughs) No, Joni loves
1: uh, Chachi. Oh, okay I could have it was tchotchkes
0: So Larry Wansley said The very first issue I was introduced to Was the fact that at our old practice facility In North Dallas On Forest Lane there was a budget type hotel At the rear of the facility Along one end zone the hotel fronted LBJ Freeway, but backed up the, to the practice field. There was some spying that was taking place, and the problem presented to me was that the Redskins would rent out the rooms, and they had spies overlooking the practice. I was tasked I... with eliminating them.
1: Whoa, eliminating is a very strong uh I, th- I believe he meant eliminating
0: not... the problem, not eliminating Redskins spies. Yeah.
1: No, <laughs> I was about to say that, like, I'm... Bond he goes like he bond. goes like
0: ben affleck and the accountant and just gets an elevator and starts popping people in the head
1: freaking john wick over there like bobby yega
0: he said coming from my prior profession with the fbi eliminating the problem comes with all sorts of interesting and exotic thoughts but the now, issue was simply one of how do we take away that capability
1: Well, I say you just go to the hotel and be like, we're going to reserve these rooms. Or you go to the hotel and you paint the windows black.
0: Well, so what they ended up doing was exactly what you said. He said the way we did it was to make sure the rooms were not available. In checking in some of those rooms... They weren't really careful about cleaning up their mess, if you will. So there were some bits and pieces of evidence that they were conducting some activities that we really didn't appreciate. So when you hear about more recent events like Spygate, they are absolutely nothing new.
1: Okay, you had me concerned when you said we didn't really appreciate the messes they left. I'm like, uh, like, oh, look at that eye formation
0: (laughs) Oh, they're so good. (laughs) <laughs> oh, look at that motion. That wide receiver's in motion, Bob. Oh, Jess, we... Oh, Roger Staubach. Ooh.
1: Well, you know, I if I saw Roger Staubach, I might do that, regardless of how i was <laughs> spying. So. so
0: the Redskins and Cowboys met in the... <laughs> that went on way too long. The Redskins and Cowboys met in the NFC Championship uh, later that year, and... Roger Staubach had been injured for most of the year, but he came back in that game. And oh, he came. <laughs> and the Redskins still won 26-3. to
1: Uh, Okay, I don't know if you can call it a comeback if you still lose by seven. Well, no, he came back. <laughs> he came back. He started
0: playing again. He was hurt, and oh, then he came back I, for that game. Like, that was his first game back from injury, but it didn't really matter. I took...
1: Yeah, I was about to say. I took the inference that like he came, they came back, and then you're like twenty-one to three, and that's not a comeback.
0: So, um, on Thanksgiving, which was November twenty-eighth of nineteen seventy-four, the Redskins were eight and three and ready to secure a playoff berth against a uh, with a win against the Cowboys in a nationally televised game in Dallas. With less than ten minutes to go in the third quarter, Washington was leading sixteen to three. When Redskins linebacker Dave Robinson knocked Roger Staubach out of the game, and this is like the next season. By the way, it's not that same season. If you're confused well, about the timeline,
1: I, I don't even know how many seasons have passed. You're just breezing through this. We talked about chickens, and now we're talking about Roger Staubach. And I've got know.
0: like fifty de- I've got like fifty decades to get through from the fifties to two thousand ten. So, I won't, is that fifty decades though?
1: Five decades
0: yeah five decades I'm sorry Ooh, I'm an idiot
1: so moving on well I'm an idiot because I had to do math <laughs> so I couldn't figure out how many times you know what ten times five was or whatever the opposite of that is
0: so rookie quarterback Clint Longley uh, led the Cowboys to a last minute comfort behind victory by throwing a 50 yard touchdown pass to Drew Pearson with 28 seconds left the final score was Cowboys 24, Redskins 23. Longley was not expecting to play in the game, and he was not really known for studying the game plans. He was better known by his teammates as the guy who shot rabbits from his dorm window at training camp and the guy who drove around town with a pony in his back seat of his car. Both true stories.
1: I don't even know. Can we do a separate one where we talk about that? Like, I feel like that goes into the situation, like, this dude was just shooting rabbits from his hotel room window. Was he going and picking up the rabbits, or I have no was he just idea. leaving their rotting corpses out? Like
0: he was a psychopath, th- apparently.
1: I, I mean, that's that's. I mean, I have no problem with killing animals, but to just like waste food like that. So
0: now we've got the cowboys not only shooting rabbits, carrying ponies in the back of their car, but also all the chicken stuff from the beginning. So it's really bizarre w- to me that the. Um, <laughs> that the Cowboys are very obsessed with bringing in live animals into this rivalry.
1: Yes, I uh, I feel like PETA would be all over him now. Like, seriously, like a pony? The like,
0: 70s. It was a different time. Is
1: this, is this a small pony? Is this a full-size pony? Did he have a big truck, a small truck? Was it in the bed of the truck or was it in the cab? These are all questions that It was that in the back seat.
0: They did say it was in the back seat.
1: So... You know, did it have like a bench seat, or was it those like sideways fold down seats, like you know, like in the some of those smaller trucks? I have no idea. I I really want to know the situation. How do you do? You, do you fold the front seats down to get the pony inside? Was it like a mini it was pony? Probably like was a it Shetland
0: a... pony, like one of those little ones.
1: Well, you didn't. You didn't give me any breeding details. Well, next time. So, but I... <laughs> this all sounds very like psychopathy, by the way.
0: So after leading the comeback, um, Cowboys guard Blaine Nye famously described Longley's heroics as the triumph of the uncluttered mind.
1: From Blaine Nye, the football guy.
0: Can you imagine being described as the guy with the uncluttered mind? That's basically saying the dude's an idiot.
1: Yes, I. uh,
0: Like he's a simpleton.
1: Yeah, he's the the rube. (laughs) Shoot He's the unburdened by thoughts. Shoot
0: the pretty rabbits Longley Shoot the pretty
1: <laughs> rabbits I imagine him shooting the rabbits Not realizing they were dead and then still petting them
0: So the Redskins Were obviously stunned by that loss I don't have very much to say uh, Coach Allen said It was probably one of the toughest Losses we've ever had
1: so And they f- lost all those poor chickens <laughs>
0: So from 1974 we traveled to 1978. And this is another Ooh, good four story. 4 years.
1: So nothing good happened in 4 years.
0: So this is another good story. Well, there was always good there was good games like every year, but unfortunately we don't have 6 hours to go through everything. So I picked the best for you. So in 1978 the Redskins held a 9 to 3 lead. Joe Theismann and the Redskins offense were backed up near their own end zone. Rather than risking an interception or a fumble that could cost them game, the game, Thiesman was told by his coaches to intentionally run backwards towards his own end zone and waste as much time as possible. Um, he would be purposely—he was either going to be purposely tackled in the end zone, or he could run out of the back of it once time ran out.
1: Can I, uh, can I point out that I feel like this is all going to go terribly wrong? And I don't necessarily remember this story, but it sounds familiar. So. Obviously, I, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm just thinking of Theismann and other stuff he did, but like, I feel like this like, is something if that's what that you that think's going to happen, that's not light. what happened at all. No, I'm not talking about the the other thing.
0: No, this is this is not going where you think it is. So yes, it was going to be a safety, which would make the score nine to five, but at least the game would be over. So here's what actually happened: Charlie Waters and Cliff Harris uh, were the Cowboys players that tackled Joe Theismann. Here's what Charlie Waters had to say about the event, and I'm going to read this quote to you. He successfully burned out the clock by scooting around in the end zone, but failed to step out of bounds. He pranced around back there, got caught up in the moment, and held the ball up in the air, taunting us. That worked the fans into a frenzy. I was the first Cowboys. Uh, I was the first Cowboy to get to Theismann. Help arrived in the form of Randy White, who exploded into both thighs and me. Joe miraculously held onto the ball. Of course, a fight broke out because Joe's offensive line didn't take kindly to Randy and me abusing their leader. It was a short brawl; no one got hurt, but the fans smelled blood. Uh, defeated, we walked back to the end zone toward the ramp to our locker room. The tunnel was in the dugout. So RFK, like, since it was a baseball stadium, the away locker room, you had to go through the, the,
1: uh, the dugout. Uh, well, I kind of inferred that when you yeah, said the well, term just to, dugout, just, just which sure. is not typically used in football.
0: So the dugout was below field level. The fans spilled over the top of the dugout. Still in full gear, I focused my attention on carefully negotiating the concrete steps with my steel cleats. That's when a beer bottle exploded on my helmet and beer doused my face and neck and pieces of glass were flying everywhere. I looked up and made contact with the attacker, still holding the neck of the shattered bottle. He taunted, yeah, big guy, that was me. You want some of this? I think he felt safe in the stand. So Cliff Harris saw this and the two of them went into Batman and Robin dynamic duo mode. And here's what happened. So Charlie waters. Oh God,
1: we got a Detroit Pistons type situation.
0: So Charlie said, my partner, Cliff Harris witnessed the assault. He had fire in his eyes and said, let's go get him. And that's just what we did. We climbed up on top of the dugout and launched ourselves right into the midst of Redskins of Washington fans. Fists flailing. We bloodied as many as we could before two security guards literally dragged us out of the melee by our ankles (laughs) <laughs> Cliff and I, ex- Cliff and oh I, ex- my exchanged God. elated high fives as we scurried up the tunnel to the dressing room.
1: I am imagining, which it, it sounds like, this is exactly what happened. Two, 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 like huge buff dudes in an era where people were not typically in in shape because they didn't believe in it because it was weird. To be it was lame. Shape. Yeah. And these two, like, super ripped dudes, like, just played a game, super pissed off, just freaking swan diving into a sea of opposing fans and just beating people up. Like, I imagine them jumping off the top of the dugout, and then that playing, like, there goes my hero. Dude, the best part of that is the fact that they were dragged out by their ankles. Yeah, like, them, like, being dragged out like a like still punching at the air like like a kid you know throwing a fit on the floor so um you would think that they would have been
0: fined or something but charlie said there were no fines no lawsuits and no suspensions no repercussions whatsoever and thank goodness back then there were no cameras can,
1: can we just admit that uh roger goodell ruined the nfl
0: Oh, man, could you imagine how much fun it would be if every time you went to a game, you ran the risk of getting the shit beat out of you by one of the players? So what I say what we
1: do, this is what we do. We we start a petition to fire Goodell. We get Vince McMahon put in the NFL. Then he can just let his little girly family league fall apart, you know, since he killed all the fun stuff that was part of the XFL, and have him take over the NFL and... You know, when someone throw- punches their girlfriend, you know, don't do it again, kind of thing. No, fine. You know, they still got to keep playing. That kind of thing. And you just keep all these, these very, uh, you know, intense players playing, you know? Yeah, I'm not on board with
0: that, but you can start that <laughs> petition if you want. Just don't put my name on anything.
1: Well, what if it's something that involves them, you know, having an altercation in an elevator and dragging someone allegedly by their hair you know what like, how, i'm gonna say it.
0: i think i think uh i said guriel stupid asters i think goodell uh deserves a deserves a raise compared to what you're talking about hell let's <laughs> let's make him president
1: okay um let me uh let me post this by saying this was all a joke
0: oh i'm, I'm i would hope so all right
1: <laughs> so you you might think that i'm being you you would probably believe that I'm saying a joke, but other people might not. So I'm gonna go ahead and say I I don't think women abuse is fine. I also don't think men abuse is fine. But, anyway, you know, I'm all for dog abuse.
0: The final day of the 1979 regular season, the NFC East title and a trip to the playoffs were at stake when the Cowboys at yeah when the Cowboys hosted the Redskins at Texas Stadium. Just a few days before the game, a floral delivery arrived at the Cowboys practice facility in North Dallas. It was a funeral wreath from a florist in Rockville, Maryland. Uh. Sent to the Cowboys in sympathy for their upcoming loss to the Redskins.
1: Wait, um, I'm sorry to cut you off on this, but I I also think I'm forgetting a big point in wasn't that the only team in the area the the Ravens didn't exist. No, they right? didn't
0: res- exist till the 90s.
1: Okay, that's what I thought. And it wasn't the uh the Baltimore Browns either, was it? Was it was the
0: the Baltimore Colts.
1: Or Colts whatever it was. I don't know why I thought it was the Browns. Yeah, the, so Colts, the Colts were Colts, around, but they so were So the Colts were in in Baltimore. Yeah. Okay. And so I mean they still had the another regional existed. team, but well, it wasn't the You Ravens. keep you kept mentioning that area so i was trying to i knew that the uh the ravens didn't exist i just i couldn't remember if. but
0: you also have to remember the redskins are still like the second or third most popular team in the nfl in terms of making money so they outsized the colts by a lot
1: how though um three super bowls
0: and success over several decades just not recently
1: I think I missed a part of your starting story because I thought we started with the franchise starting.
0: No, that was the Cowboys starting. The Redskins were already established.
1: Okay, well, I don't care.
0: This was, We started at the start of the Cowboys, if that helps you.
1: Oh, oh well you, the way you said it, you made it sound like we were starting at the start of the Redskins. No,
0: the start of the Cowboys, but we couldn't start. Well, I'm not doing the history of the Redskins. We're doing a history of the rivalry.
1: I don't want to keep arguing because it's going to turn into a real battle of wound in these type situation.
0: So anyway, defensive end Harvey Martin didn't take too kindly to the gesture of sending a funeral wreath to the team before the game in sympathy that's of a pretty, loss.
1: Th- that's pretty funny though, by the way.
0: So he got mad about it the whole week and even put the wreath on, his front, on front of his locker as a motivational tool. During the game, the Cowboys fell behind 17 to nothing before mounting one of the all-time comebacks in team history. Late in the fourth quarter, with only 45 seconds left, Roger Staubach threw a game-winning touchdown pass to Tony Hill, and the Cowboys ended up winning 35-34. to 34. The Cowboys celebrated, but there was a little thing that still nagged Harvey Martin, that stupid wreath. So he took the wreath, that walked to the visitor's locker room, and tossed it in the locker room.
1: Okay. Well, here's a... Th- can I... I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but... Funeral wreaths typically not like the size of a normal wreath They're no just, there's like, actually a picture of him oversized. carrying an
0: oversized wreath down the hallway
1: okay because i'm imagining this guy with like a normal sized locker and then having this wreath just completely like yeah, no, even was- even encroaching over like his other people's like his teammates lockers so i'm glad that i that that we we, we came to the conclusion that it was a gigantic ass wreath that he was just lugging around
0: yeah so coach Landry wasn't too happy that the picture of him carrying the wreath ended up in the in the paper and he forced Harvey to apologize to the Redskins in Washington DC I
1: that doesn't seem to line up with things that you hear about Landry though
0: well he had respect for the game I guess is what you would say in this situation if you actually cared what you thought about when at him. well I
1: mean he had respect for his hat game
0: uh, so by 1983, the Cowboys had two Lombardi trophies while the Redskins were still looking for their first. But what they didn't know that 1983 was going to be their year, it was fitting that the Cowboys. Wait,
1: wait. I thought you just said the Redskins were, were had already won Super Bowls. No,
0: I said you asked how they were popular and I said they've won three Super Bowls. Currently, they've won three Super Bowls. You're really getting messed up in this. Wait, timelines. currently
1: they won three Super Bowls, but I'm talking about back then. How were they popular?
0: Oh well, they were they were popular because they were one of the like oldest established I, franchises. I was
1: asking, were they a legit team at the time of the creation of the Cowboys? Like, were they? They weren't the, great, the but they were dog? an older
0: team, so they were older than the Colts. Therefore, they were more popular. They had a more established. But then,
1: but then you mentioned two seasons in that both teams and one only or one team lost uh or won no games and one team won one game. That
0: was just for that one season. In nineteen
1: sixty one when the, bad when they started color.
0: when they started in the in nineteen sixties when the game started the very first season they played each other, the Redskins only won one game that year and the Cowboys won no games that year. So they were both bad. That year, yes. Correct.
1: And next year both teams were like undefeated?
0: No, shut up. Alright so by nineteen, as I said, in nineteen eighty three, this was going to be the year that the Redskins finally won a Super Bowl. Well,
1: it, we've we've spanned twenty years, and I still don't know what the hell is going on.
0: It was so the Cowboys were coming to RFK to face the Redskins in the NFC Championship that year. Um, the cow, the crowd began to chant, "We want Dallas," and it grew so loud that the stands literally shook. And that was apparently a thing at RFK. Like, if the crowd got really amped up, the stadium would rock back and forth
1: and shake. They should have uh, hired a seismologist to, uh, to measure that. So, in 1984, the Redskins um,
0: also achieved their first season sweep of the Cowboys. So, the 80s were the Redskins' most dominant decade of the rivalry. So they won the Super Bowl in 83 by beating the Cowboys in the NFC Championship. And then 84, they swept the Cowboys in the two games they played.
1: Okay. Well, that's, that's fun.
0: So continuing with the in the 80s, um, you did know that the movie The Replacements was based on kind of a true story, correct?
1: Um, like, not The Replacement Players, no. but
0: I'm talking about the specific yeah, like ending no. to that movie was based on something.
1: I knew there was a lockout. And I knew that there were some scrubs that came in for a part of the, the season. And uh, I, I knew that happened, but I know that it happened way sooner than – or a lot in a lot different time frame than the replacements made it happen. Yeah, it was at the beginning also, of, the the season, the of the season, not the end of the season. Using NFL since they didn't say actual team names. They only said cities.
0: Well, yeah, and it the replacement thing happened at the beginning of the season, but the um, – it seemed like the replacements made it feel like the like Redskins, or the Senators, sorry, the Senators and Dallas team game happened towards the end of the season, but it was actually early on. But that final game where Washington played Dallas was based on a, a true event.
1: So, so basically... My, Ke, Keanu Reeves just, just killed it for them?
0: Yeah, so basically the Cowboys had a lot of their players, including Hall of Fame running back Tony Dorsett already crossing the picket line and rejoining the team when the Redskins were supposed to play Dallas that year. And the Cowboys were 2 and 0 heading into a Monday night game against the Redskins. So Joe Squ- Joe Gibbs squad was made up entirely of replacement players, but the team still found a way to upset the 2 and 0 Cowboys with Tony Dorsett 13 to 7.
1: So that's
0: one of Dallas's got- most embarrassing losses in history, by the way.
1: So the way I'm thinking about it is, so that actually is exactly the movie, except for that was the end of the season. So did did the uh, the senators or the the Redskins did they start their actual starting quarterback and then replace him with their scrub quarterback? No, no, that was all the Hollywood. Game? Oh, well, nobody had crossed the answer, picket line for the, the Redskins. this other question was was huge. Uh, was what's his name the coach
0: no he was not but you know what pisses me off about that movie is they totally modeled him after after tom landry but it was actually joe gibbs is who he should have been modeled off and joe gibbs i'm gonna go on a rant here joe gibbs is one of the greatest coaches of all time three super bowls dominating um older, you know, pro-style, I-form type of offense, and he gets no respect. Like, nobody knows diddly-squat about Joe Gibbs, other than he owns a NASCAR team now.
1: I was gonna say, he's been a pretty successful NASCAR owner.
0: Like, Joe Gibbs is one of the most underrated coaches of all time. Racing, And he came back in the 2000s, and was still pretty decent with a really shitty team, and he was using stuff that had been outdated by, like, 20 years. It's incredible, and he gets no credit, and it makes me upset.
1: Well... I'm just now realizing the Landry comparisons with the, uh, what's-his-face. I want to say Hugh Jackman, but I know that's not his name. Like, because he, if, um, it,
0: if anything, he should have, in the, uh, in the movie The Replacements, he should have been wearing one of those big, like, goofy... I don't even know what you call them the hats that the like the veteran's wear, yeah it's like a trucker hat he should have been wearing a trucker hat the whole the whole time and then and, when it came time to tip people at restaurants he should have left them bible verses
1: Well my favorite thing about like those the the old coaches is the ones that didn't wear suits were those polos that had the collars that were freaking oh, yeah, huge huge collars there was, like, it was just the floppiest collars on those cotton polos, and it just looked so goofy. And they had those, like, the, 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 the fluffiest hats. Like, there had to be five inches of just empty space in those hats. Oh,
0: yeah, dude, so much foam in those hats.
1: They, they look like Elmer Fudd.
0: So, under Gibbs, the Redskins' replacement team finished 3-0. and And after the victory against Dallas, Gibbs told the press it was one of the greatest experiences and wins of his life. The regular players would eventually come back and the Redskins won the Super Bowl that year as well.
1: By the way, that I know we went on a whole rant about a movie that's very loosely 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 based on real life, but to to beat a team with with walk like essentially walk-on players, scrubs, wannabes to beat a team that actually has this legit people starting that is super duper impressive and i don't even know if that boils down to coaching or just it sheer like does. will and determination but like i don't even know how that's possible especially because those guys were people who i'm not going to say they weren't good but there's a reason they weren't in the nfl right and it took yeah. there being a lockout and all the entire nfl being unavailable for these people to make to get that that in So like
0: one of the most bittersweet things about them winning the Super Bowl that year was that the replacement players were never given Super Bowl rings for their accomplishments. But last year, um, the Redskins finally honored the replacement players and gave them Super Bowl rings modeled after that Super Bowl ring from uh, the 87-88 season and brought them down on the field and you know, basically put on a whole show for them, but it only took them like 30 years to give them the credit they deserved.
1: Well, that's nice.
0: Um, so this actually, this game's more of a pro Cowboys game. And I just brought in because it's also one of my worst memories as a Redskin fan. So, um, this next game is kind of a pro Dallas game that I'm going to tell you about, but I brought it in because it's one of my worst memories in the rivalry. But in 1999, the Cowboys came to Jack Kent Cook Stadium to play the Redskins. Um, and what I remember about this is the Cowboys trailed 21 to no, – or 21 – by 21 points entering the fourth quarter. And the Wait, Cow- uh, who, who trailed? The Cowboys. The Cowboys were down 21 in the fourth quarter. Okay. Uh, the Cowboys ended up scoring three touchdowns in the final quarter and sent the game to overtime. Uh the touchdowns were a 1-yard run from Emmett. Michael Irvin caught a touchdown pass of 37 yards and then he caught another one of 12 yards.
1: Hey, um and I know and I'm I I'm not a Cowboys fan either, but I will admit that like I kind of like love to hate that team. Like when you look back on it, like I I always say like I hate the Cowboys, I hate the Cowboys, but then I find myself really liking that Cowboys team. But I hate the Cowboys in general. Does that make sense? Yeah. They had some really good people on their team, so it like it makes it really hard to like actually hate them. You know, I, I just always tell myself like my feelings are cracked. I kid.
0: loathed them back then. Like I could not stand them. Troy but Aikman, Edith Smith, and Michael Irvin just pissed me off every time they walked onto the field.
1: In in hindsight, though. They were a really good team.
0: Well, you didn't have to play them twice a year. They were assholes.
1: No, I'm not saying they were the showboating. They were, they were like all in your face, but they had some talent.
0: And that '99 Redskins team was a really good team, actually. And it looked like they were just going to dominate them, but when they when they came back, the Redskins got the ball in overtime and and couldn't move it. Brad Johnson got sacked and ended the drive, and I'll remember this play forever, but. The Cowboys got the ball at their own five-yard line. Had to go 95 yards. And in four plays, they got to the 26-yard line, so Troy Aikman had a little bit of room. Uh, Aikman ended up hitting the forever-injured Rocket Ishmael. Remember him?
1: Oh, dude. Hey, so don't even get me started on Rocket because you know I'm a Notre Dame fan. Well, in high school, I was a huge Notre Dame fan. I still am a little bit of a closet one, but... I did a whole presentation on Notre Dame, and we talked. And one of the people I specifically mentioned was Rocket.
0: I actually hate him for this one specific play. He ended up catching a seventy-six-yard touchdown where he was running down the sideline, and I just remember the announcers going wild as he ran down the sideline, and I hated every minute of it. What year was this again? Nineteen ninety-nine.
1: Okay for some reason I thought you said 93 and I'm like how the hell were you watching this game when you were 4 years old? No,
0: and so I'm going to follow that up with 2005 because that's one of my favorite memories from being a Redskins fan in this rivalry
1: I don't know if I remember that game um, because you know that I was not a, I didn't watch it in my youthness. ness Um, so 2004 was about when I started getting into it and Based on you know what region we grew up in, uh, we were only allowed to watch certain games. So
0: well, this was a Monday Night game, so you got to watch this one. Oh
1: well, I mean, well the the joke that I was making was I had to watch all the Cowboys games, but I hated the Cowboys.
0: Well, two thousand five was a great year to be a Redskins fan because that was the year Joe Gibbs uh, Joe Gibbs was back and Bill Parcells was coaching the Cowboys. And Bill Parcells is always like highlighted as one of the greatest coaches of all time. And like I said earlier, Joe Gibbs is totally underrated. But that year, Joe Gibbs just made Bill Parcells his bitch. And this is um, this is in the second week. It was a Monday night game. The Redskins um, were playing in Dallas, and it was the night that Emmitt Smith, Troy Aikman, and Michael Irvin were all being inducted into the Ring of Honor.
1: So, so they were – oh, yeah. I in my head I was thinking they were still playing, but I know that's no, it's not possible. So who th- was their quarterback then? The Cowboys. Uh,
0: it was either I want to say it was was it Vinny Testa? No, it was Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe.
1: Oh uh, well, I was either thinking it was Bledsoe or Testaverde because I was know Bledsoe. Testaverde was probably older than Bledsoe but played longer.
0: I think. Let me double check that real quick. I th- believe it was. Drew Bledsoe.
1: Okay, so they brought in all those awesome yeah, Bledsoe for a Ring of Honor type celebration, and I'm assuming they got their asses handed to them?
0: No, they didn't get their asses to him. so what happened was uh, the Redskins were actually getting kind of getting the shit kicked out of them for most of the game. Uh, Mark Brunel was the quarterback, and he was struggling. Wow. The offense couldn't really leave the ball.
1: Didn't Mark Brunel also play at the Cowboys at some point?
0: I think so or no, or am I no thinking he wasn't. he played
1: on you no, he played on the Saints you are thinking
0: why. of John Kitna I think
1: John Kitna played for every team or something
0: so Brunel was struggling and when they went with four minutes left to play the Cowboys were winning 13 to nothing um, so
1: and by the way that sounds like a really terrible game.
0: Yeah, it wasn't good till the last four minutes. So it was 4th and 15. The, uh, the Redskins had the ball on Dallas's 39-yard line. And Brunel dropped back and hit Santana Moss on a streak for a touchdown. Um, then the defense came on the field. They made Dallas punt. The Redskins got the ball at their own 20. And on the second play of the drive, Brunel hit Santana Moss for another deep pass and um, ended up winning the game 14-13. to
1: I forgot. So like in about a 4-minute time
0: frame, in a 4-minute time frame, the game was
1: completely flipped on its wow. head. Wow. I forgot about Santana Moss and how fast he was. Like he oh, was yeah, definitely he, was he he was definitely like that deep shot guy and I think up, that was about he it. He ended up being a really
0: good wide receiver. Like he was not great when he played for the Jets, but then with the Redskins he actually thrived.
1: That was the end of his career, though, wasn't it? No, oh, it was Milne-ish. several years. No, I wouldn't
0: say it was the end of his career at all. I think he played from 2005 to, like, 2009 or 2010. Like, it was several okay. years. So I mean, I,
1: I remember saying Tana Moss, and I actually didn't dislike him.
0: Yeah, he was he was good. And so, after the game, Joe Gibbs told reporters, and I'm starting to notice this is a common theme, but he told reporters it was one of the greatest moments in sports for me. <laughs> So, every time Wait, they won, it was a for, great moment. For,
1: for him? Yeah, for Gibbs. Well, I mean, this is... Was this pre-him owning the, the race team?
0: Uh, no, I think he actually... I think he, he actually already he owned it, but he, right. like, hired... Yeah, he retired and hired somebody to run it for him.
1: So... I just don't... I and I and Can I plead ignorance on this? Like, so, remember when I told you a while back um, that... Joe Gibbs was doing the, like, LSU Coaches Clinic, and I was like, why the hell did I bring a NASCAR guy in? And you... I could... I texted you this, but I could feel you looking at me and being like, what the WT fuck, man?
0: Oh, yeah, that was... That was that was one of the most embarrassing moments for me and for,
1: and me, for you. It, in hindsight, it's pretty embarrassing for me also, but, you know, it's his life.
0: On a side note, um... In two thousand and four, if anybody had said that uh, Mark Brunell had six years left in the NFL and taken the under, they would have lost money. He went. He played for six more years after but, 2004. But they
1: weren't really quality years because he was on the Saints as a as a backup for a yeah. Couple but he years. was ancient. Yeah, no, he was. I don't know how old he was. I felt like he was like in his forties. Uh, but he probably wasn't. He just. Was an like he was just that product of the old NFL merging into the new NFL? So that's now merging into the newer, newer NFL that is flag football.
0: So this is off script, but the second game of that season against the Cowboys, the Redskins just ass blasted them and went up thirty-five to nothing, almost like at halftime. And all I remember is Chris Cooley scored three touchdowns in the first half, and that's where he got the nickname Cowboy Killer.
1: <laughs> I uh, don't think I've ever heard that nickname for him.
0: It lasted like a month, but he was the cowboy okay. killer for like. It, a is month. this
1: like playoff P kind of situation? Yeah, it's playoff P. Playoff P. It's like, oh well, how's he doing the playoffs? Oh, he's terrible.
0: And then, honestly, in the last few years, you you know, they've gone back and forth. You've had RG3 in 2012 at Thanksgiving when they beat the Cowboys. Dak Prescott's pretty much owned the Redskins the last couple of years with Ezekiel Elliott. So the rivalry's been pretty contentious, but there hasn't been I, any major, like, newsworthy story in the last few years from say, the rivalry.
1: I think the moral of that story is more Ezekiel Elliott than Dak Prescott, especially since his rookie year
0: well it, it is um but Dak prescott's basically not made any mistakes in those games and that's kind of led to him being able to win so right now currently before this game is played um to on sunday i was about to say tomorrow but i'm not sure when this whoa is out. wait
1: i was gonna say I, I think I just realized the what spurned this and it's because they play this week, right?
0: Exactly. So the okay. record Um the record stands at I wanna make sure I get it right. Yeah. They the Cowboys lead the series seventy to forty four with two ties. But the Redskins wow. lead the pl- postseason series two to nothing.
1: Wait, so the Cowboys Lead this overall series and they're a team that existed newer than 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 the Redskins.
0: Well yeah, but they could only start playing each other until when the Cowboys were in you know around.
1: So That means the, the Cowboys started out pretty hot out, out of the out of the gates.
0: Uh, it that was easier to be an expansion team back then. Um, okay, so what I wanna do that now is I wanna finish this up um in order to kind of get a feel for the rivalry today, I went on Reddit and um, went to both subreddits, the Cowboys and Redskins subreddits, and said that I was trying to record a podcast and I just wanted to to know why people hate the Cowboys and why people hate the uh, the Redskins. And I'll, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna read I'm really curious. Answers.
1: So you straight up put a comment saying what you were trying to do? Yes, and- I didn't
0: tell the Cowboys people that I was a Redskins fan. And I promise you have to hide your flair. No, no, but I I mean, I didn't try to hide anything. I just did it. And I know that my account name has, is a reference to Fred Smoot. So I think they figured it out, but I did mention it later and I promised uh, really not to bash them. So I'm going to let you do the bashing, but what I'm about to read you, I think shows the Cowboys true colors here. By the way,
1: can I, can I point out that we both know this because of where we grew up, But Cowboys fans are a very specific type of person to where they just plead ignorance to everything that is life. And that has been my problem with them. And I want to not hate them so much, but no one has ever given me a reason to not hate them. So
0: Tony print 22 said there really isn't a rivalry anymore. The Redskins haven't been a franchise to worry about in a long, long time. (laughs)
1: No <laughs> those uh, ignorant.
0: I'm. I'm. It keeps going. He wrote me a whole letter. Faces. In the night, in the NFC East, anything goes, of course. And in a year where we would be dominant and they would be trash, they might beat us one of two games. But that's just the way the NFC East teams play each other. It would be more of a rivalry if they were a good team, but they're mostly an afterthought. The Eagles, Cowboys, is the real rivalry in our division. Giants and Cowboys has gone by the wayside as well With how poorly the Giants have been playing It takes two good teams to have a real rivalry In my opinion Even if the Redskins beat us in a season When they end up 4-12 and or 5-11 It really doesn't matter But that's just me I just don't see a lot of people talk shit On the Redskins around here Because no one cares about them So that comment wow. basically set the tone for this And it really cracked me up Because do the Cowboys fans not realize That they haven't really been relevant In a long time
1: either? I, this is why I hate Cowboys fans. And this is why I would get into ar- legit arguments with people in high school, and like I think I flipped I flipped a desk on somebody once in high school because you know me I'm I'm not necessarily a a wordsmith, but like they argue things in the most stupidest way that you could ever. Like, it's like you take a bunch of idiots who realize they were good at something 20 years ago and they can't freaking let it go and they think they're awesome when in reality they suck. Like, Cowboys fans piss me off more than anything because they still think Troy Aikman is their fucking quarterback and he's not. He's been hanging out with Mr. Forehead, Joe fucking Buck. I
0: didn't say it, he
1: said it. But so what's funny is the fans Redskins can just go take a playoffs. long walk off a short cliff
0: the Redskins just went to the playoffs in 2015 so it's not like yeah, they've been losing no. for 10 years
1: the Redskins are relevant but I think the more moral the story is the NFC East isn't fucking relevant
0: uh, let's keep going this guy I, I like because he actually quoted something I mean, from the rivalry they're, they're,
1: they're like there is a competition the, the Giants still have a chance to be on top of their freaking division and they haven't even won a freaking game and they win one game, and they're freaking terrible. So you know OBJ can headbutt all the fans in the one that he wants in the world, and he's still pretty close to taking out the freaking Cowboys, right? <laughs> like, let's go Dak to the future, and you know, let's go to indoor with Ezekiel, and let's let's talk about what's really happening in 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 the Cowboys world. You know, when they have their steroid junkie. Um, linebackers and their uh, ewok running backs and their quarterback who is suffering from his junior fatigue, and you know they're nothing without their tight end that they had played with them for forty years.
0: So do you want me to read a couple more? Or are you good?
1: Um, let's let's go. I'm sorry, I hate cowboys.
0: So. um Third uh, Ramon said in reality, they're my favorite matchup in the NFC East because I always feel like we have a strong chance of winning. Unlike the toss up matches against the giants and Eagles in terms of hating them. It has to be the fact that this rivalry makes the most sense in terms of mascot matchup in the entire league. I mean, how much more Americana does it get than Cowboys versus Indians? Every kid born before 2000 played that as a kid.
1: Okay. Let's, let's like talk about the endurance of this guy and Talk about the fact that cowboys and Indians was game like for a hundred, for two hundred freaking years. Like, what's this guy think? Like, oh, you know, cowboys and Indians didn't exist, you know, before the early two thousands. Like, what the hell, man? Learn how to read or do something. Okay, I bet you. This dude is some some idiot that that wears his Emmett Smith jersey and probably couldn't even tell you what he looked like
0: so i don't want you to talk bad about this next because i actually i like his answer i think it's a very like good rivalry answer
1: well you're not talking bad about these people i'm i'm just so triggered right now i might as well just be at column i'm gonna
0: no i'm gonna fix this for you and you don't want to be there So Mavs fans for life said, this sounds like a cool podcast. While a lot of the younger generation hate the Eagles more, I've always hated Washington the most. There's just something about that team that always pisses me off more than, uh, more about them than other teams in the NFC East. Like the Fun Bunch celebration, WTF was that. I'd love nothing more than for, for our guys to score and go piss off the crowd by doing that when we play at Washington. Then there are the people who will say that the Hogs were better than the Great Wall of Dallas. Yeah, no, they weren't. Or the 91 team that everyone calls the greatest of all time happens to be the same team that we beat with our backup quarterback. I could go on, but you get my drift. I don't mind the Redskins fan base, by the way. You're usually on the more chill-in compared to other fan bases uh, that we have to deal with, that guy gets it. Like he's a historian of the team. I love that answer.
1: I uh, can I someone who just like screamed at myself. Um, I actually did like that answer too because I agree with this sentiment because I currently am going through that same with the the Falcons uh, where there's a certain re- amount of respect you have to have and you can't just be super nitpicky on like I hate them because of this. It's just it's it's a series of misfortunate events, and there's just a whole bunch of stuff that has happened over the years that just makes you, no matter what, hate that team, and you know. And his answer made it clear that you don't ever know what's going to happen. There's other people were just being blatant, like that team sucks. We're going to beat them, blah blah blah, and that you could hardly understand them because they were choking on the ghost stick of Troy Aikman. And then I'm
0: going to finish this up with another guy that I really liked, and we actually had a pretty good conversation. Uh, DC Blue Star said, I became a Cowboys fan just to get on my dad's nerves because he's a Redskins fan. Then it just kind of stuck, and I've been a diehard ever since. That was almost 30 years ago. That cracked me up because, in part, I think that's how I ended up being a Redskins fan at times is I think I was just trying to irritate my dad and create like an in-house rivalry, and it just kind of stuck. So we kind of talked for a while because I really related to what he said.
1: Well, is your dad still a Cowboys fan?
0: No, nah, he doesn't give a shit
1: now. So I think I kind of similarly went through a thing with with my dad that way. Not, not the Redskins, but my dad definitely at a certain point started getting more and more into the saints um, and he grew up in an area that was very cowboys heavy and I can tell he like he struggles with it internally because he doesn't like he he'll find himself cheering for him and then realize that he doesn't want to cheer for him and like his biggest beef is the ownership and he really didn't like the way that uh, Jerry Jones took over and that's kind of what pushed him out. And he didn't like the things that Jerry Jones did, especially when he first took over, so like uh get rid of a coach that won multiple super Bowls
0: so honestly, this is where my my bias will show up, but I did talk to the Redskins fans a lot more, like we actually had conversations. So I'm gonna read some of their stuff and well I, I, I think mean because
1: it. it's it's not like you're you're not walking into a lions, standing you're you know, yeah. you're walking into a uh, house. Uh, i'm walking
0: into a den of puppies yeah. uh that's weird i'm sorry that i called you guys puppies because i'm gonna post this on the subreddit so i think you'll enjoy his rants from a few minutes ago um so just-
1: i now i feel kind of happy because i i uh by the way sorry um sorry you guys were part of the uh the that incident of drew Brees having to get break his record
0: Whoa, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know we weren't <laughs> going to talk about that I'm apologizing you anymore. just told me
1: that you were going to broadcast me in the Redskins fan. That game
0: was fixed.
1: I, well, that that was my apology, you know. It was supposed to be, I was probably supposed to be fixed up to the point, and then, you know, Josh Norman just couldn't get his shit together.
0: Josh Norman had a great game last week. You shut your mouth.
1: All right, Redskins time. Well, can I say I hated Josh Norman at every team he's ever been at?
0: Fair. Alright, Jockton said Yes, his name's Ston Jockton. He said oh, okay. because I thought you were
1: trying to say John Stockton No, his name's Ston the...
0: Jockton. He said uh, the reason he hates the Cowboys Is because he's convinced that roughly 48% Of their fans have never been to the state of Texas Let alone the city of Dallas <laughs>
1: <laughs> That is actually I 100% agree with that
0: And then I'm going to save that one for the end I'm going to come back to that one Uh Oh, uh, Slob Barker said, because the America's team bullshit is the most pretentious and obnoxious shit ever. DMV, <laughs> DMV area Cowboys fans, which DMVs, you know, the D.C. Maryland area.
1: Oh, no, I thought that meant the Department of Motor Vehicles area. No, the
0: DMV Cowboys fans are the worst human beings on the planet they're too intellectually stunted to have an actual conversation about football, and that makes them feel left out of the conversation every Monday. So instead of coherent thoughts and analysis, they just come up with, we dim boys and fucked the haters, a.k.a. turd-in-the-punch-bowl syndrome.
1: You know my feelings on this. Um, I I do not understand people who and i've I've given you stuff for this, probably unfairly, especially after listening to you talk this time. I don't understand people who become super attached to remote people just because they're popular like i I might have grown up in Texas, but I had connections to Louisiana, but I watched The Saints when they had Aaron fucking Brooks as their quarterback. I went to a game in San Antonio during the Katrina years, and and watched the field goal fest that what it was, and Deuce McAllister's knees crack. I could hear him all the way up in the rafters where I was sitting every time he touched the football, and you know, I had been excited for this last you know ten years with Drew Brees and his goatiness, but I just I. I don't have any respect for the, the, the people who live across the entire country and support a team that there's no way that they've even seen live, have the ability to see live, to see live, or, you know, have any connection to the region that, that they're supporting.
0: Yeah, and, but at the end of the day, I answer. think I don't think you're gonna find somebody that's more diehard than I am. Even though I've been in Texas, no, I mean, I'll you, go to you, New you Orleans. You were the exception of the rule, them. and
1: the fact that you might not have been to Washington to watch the game, but you it's, know, it's we coming. went, we we met up in New Orleans and watched the game, and I got to scream at you when you know the Saints came back and made cur- cousins I still think it's so up.
0: funny that that lady got mad at me for doing the first down hand sign and told me to sit the fuck down. And all I was doing was doing a first down Mark. That she was, was pissed.
1: That was, that was pretty funny. I also remember you screaming, you like that. And then I screamed back at you. You like that. That was pretty fun.
0: Yeah, that was bad. All right, um, let's continue on. Cause I got a couple more. I want to read linear burrito said in 1989, the Cowboys have had one of their worst seasons ever at one in 15. Guess who the one was? It was uh, Dallas beat Washington 13-3. to 3. I was seven years old and I remember it vividly, so that's one of his reasons for hating him. But then he goes on, but it's honestly the fans that make me hate them. They act as though making this choice to be a Dallas fan in 1993 in the middle of their dy- dynastic run makes them better people i've long maintained that if you have no ties to the team or texas but are still a cowboys fan you had a weaker absentee father if i'm wearing a skins hat or a shirt in public i'm guaranteed guaranteed to hear some shit from someone not wearing any team gear but it's always obvious who their team is
1: i i want to like hug this man um so much see. because it it, it it like fits my sentiment regardless Cowboys fans are the only people who will probably accost you on the street and tell you that you suck while they're oh, wearing so nothing regarding their team. Or if they're wearing something regarding their team, it's a player that hadn't played in, like, 30 years. They're
0: like sleeper cells that whenever they see a Redskins fan, they like, they all of a sudden like lose their, like, they, they just go into a mind control where they feel like they have to shout at them.
1: It's, it's like America's team my ass. is Bandwagon's team. Okay, I've got two
0: more, and I want to I finish on this. More
1: people are... I don't know how... Can I, can I do this one rant? I don't understand how this many people are still Cowboys fans when they've been so mediocre for so long, and they've obviously been hiring puppet coaches that will do the bidding of Jerry Jones the Magnificent, but they have all these people... They probably have more bandwagon fans than the freaking Patriots. How the hell... Does it happen when they haven't been relevant in so freaking long? Everybody acts like Tony Romo was the freaking savior of the entire world. How many playoff games did he win? All he did was break his back because he had no line. And he was a decent quarterback, I will say that. But he didn't do nothing. And in the playoffs, he choked. Just like he did when he tried out for the the, web, uh, the WebMD, whatever the hell it was, uh, PGA thing.
0: Look, there's a common theme in this whole entire episode and it's always about Cowboys fans in the end because if you think about what we talked about at the first, they're the idiots that were trying to sneak chickens into the stadium. They're the ones that were putting turkeys in the owner's office. Well, I will like, say like it's always the fans that seem to be keeping this rivalry going it, like the Cowboys fans.
1: Was it the Cowboys fans that snuck in the six-legged chicken or six-legged turkeys? No, that was just John Madden. Okay. All right, last two. <laughs>
0: Now uh, I'm imagining
1: John Madden with like a whole bunch of uranium trying to like make radio. I got to get these turkeys to grow fluids. four more legs.
0: Uh, all right. So, oh, my God. Anal Lover 1220 said, oh, my God. What? You're the champ, buddy. I will love that. He said, I grew up in the 90s and all these little pricks I went to elementary school with were all of a sudden Dallas fans. Mind you, not one of them were actually from Dallas and we were born and raised in Virginia. Anyway, we were like in second grade and these kids were arm in arm saying, fuck the Redskins while giving me the bird. They were little scumbag kids that grew up into scumbag adults. It may, just makes me relate the cowboys to scum, which seems to be pretty accurate. Also, to be fair, I will say why I hate the Redskins. It's pretty simple. Dan Snyder owns the team, and it gets in the way of our success.
1: I I will say that is the only reason I don't like the Redskins is because Dan Snyder is a piece of work. Um, but, as doesn't do with him's unwillingness to change to do anything involving the team name because. I don't partake in that sentiment because it's, it's something that's been around for so long. Um, the best
0: part of that story, though, is a bunch of little kids screaming F the Redskins and flipping this dude, the bird, for no reason whatsoever. They probably got
1: their alcoholic dads drinking their, their beer and beating their wives and saying, hey, I like the Cowboys, go Emmitt Smith. And Emmitt Smith hadn't played in 20 years. All right, this is the last one.
0: It's from Fiddlin' T. Aside from the fact that our mascots are real-life rivals, I hate the Cowboys for so many reasons. They are literally the antithesis of the Redskins. All of the Redskins' Super Bowl were won by humble, lunch-pill-carrying type teams. Our offensive line was our most glorified asset. When the Cowboys won, it was always flashy and braggadocious, kind of like Emmett Smith's diamond-encrusted crack pipe. <laughs> the Cowboys I even feel s- like
1: Michael Irving would have been the better.
0: That's what. What did I say?
1: you said uh, Emmett Smith I'm sorry
0: Michael Irvin's Diamond Crusty Crap okay now I applaud
1: claps for that guy
0: If the Cowboys even sniff at success, the media jumps all over it and acts like they are a lock to win the Super Bowl for the next five years. In contrast, we could win 14 games in a season and barely get a mention. I hate the fact that you could go in the airport gift shop in Malaysia and if they had one NFL souvenir, 99% chance it's the Cowboys. I hate Jason Garrett's spray tan. I hate Jerry Jones' face. I hate their logo. I hate that half... Jersey crap Ezekiel Elliott wears and when he does that spoon in his mouth motion. I fantasize that he has grabbed a bowl full of cactus spines. I hate the nauseating feeling you get like swimming in a pool with too much chlorine in it when you visit their stadium from all the bleach blondes around. I hate how you can't watch a football game without some ex-cowboy being on the broadcast. Mostly I hate them because fuck Dallas.
1: Um... Can I, I, I wanna go on another rant. So for for all you people, I uh as a as a Saints fan, I have uh recently moved to Dallas and as you've heard me express my sentiments earlier, I do not like the Cowboys. So I found myself walking to the grocery store the other day, um well today, and seeing literally like they had, like, a little section of team apparel, and it was all Cowboys stuff. And I just, like, muttered under my breath. And it, it frustrates me. But, like, the fan base is the most frustrating thing in the world. I would rather deal with Patriots fans because they've been so dominant for so long that they're just kind of chill. But, like, Cowboys fans are holding on to something that hasn't existed in so long. I mean, look at how many freaking Cowboys players have freaking broadcast positions now. And you know, I will say I I don't have any issue with Aikman doing it because he's been doing it for so long. And but Romo, all he does is make weird like moaning sex noises and ruin the plays before they even happen. And then I don't even know what the hell freaking Jason Witten's talking about the whole time. He he just he just like speaks nonsense and you know says stuff about pulling like rabbits out of body parts. So i I just don't understand this love for a team that has been relevant in so long like i i don't even i don't even i can't even as in the parlance of our time
0: i think that I think that every team has fans that are awful. But I do, um, I do want to say that the people that were at the Dallas subreddit that I talked to today were usually very nice. They were kind of dicks that threw backhanded slaps at the Redskins. But for the most that, part, they were the very, thing. very
1: nice people. That, that's the thing is they act like they're being generous, but they're not. They're being assholes. And I, I don't think I've ever like had a civil discussion with a Cowboys fan about anything other than people in my family. And, and most of the time... like, Because I will say most of my family are Cowboys fans because they're from New Mexico and that's the way the regions fit up. But... Do you notice that I, most
0: of the humble Cowboy fans aren't fans of the team anymore?
1: Yeah, no, that's the thing. Like, that's the problem with my dad is it's like he wants to be a Cowboys fan but he can't get behind them. Like, uh, he got me a, a Charles Haley autograph. Um, he talked about... Uh, Ed Too the other day, and it, it's just like he 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 can rattle off the entire roster from the '80s, but now he has he doesn't want anything to do with them. But yet, when I see them score or something, and he's like around me, he has to like stifle getting excited because it's like he's so conflicted about it.
0: I, I will I will say that I've noticed that. But anyway, like, that's that's the those are the ones that I got today. I thought they were they were fun reads.
1: That that's pretty great, and I I think that really like sums up the the differences in the team that believes their dynasty and the team that believes that you actually have to work at stuff. Like, I will admit the the Saints and the Redskins have had their their history. I uh, I was at the game in two thousand six when the Saints still won the division, but lost to the Redskins, and that one kind of tore me up. Even though we still won, but it's like oh you get a t-shirt for winning but yet you lost the game you know um these last two years have been exciting i will admit two years ago when we were actually at the game was was probably like one of the second best games i've been to yeah the win or loss game, that was probably my favorite game i've the, ever the, been to the, it was a good football game i will say that like regardless of who you cared just like the the other game I went to, that was probably the best before that was the Saints Giants game where they scored like a hundred and fifty points. Oh yeah, that was crazy. That was like five years ago or something. That was just a if you like scoring, that was an entertaining game, kind of situation. Like I don't know, I I don't have I I might not necessarily like a lot of the 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 Redskins but it's like, I can respect your fan base. I don't respect the Cowboys fan base because they're uncle Ricoing the hell out of life.
0: And on that note, that's a very fair statement and we're going to close out the show. So thank you for listening. Hopefully we got some new listeners off the Redskins subreddit. Um, <laughs> Like we I said,
1: lost all of our Cowboys people. Yeah, well, we'll survive. Oh, <laughs> I want to thank one of them, everybody and that
0: uh, uh, that commented. I kind of did it on short notice, but we got a lot of fun answers. Um, if you have any thoughts, you can always um, tweet us at Turdy for Turdy. That's T U R D Y for T U R D Y, or email us at tftpod2018 at gmail.com. Uh, uh, and got any and also.
1: The four is F O R, not the number.
0: Yes, F O R thirty four thirty. That's a joke for a thirty for a thirty.
1: Uh,
0: uh, I All right. came up with it. All right, uh, he did. All right, y'all. Y'all have a good week, and we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you back here next time. Thanks.
1: Bye.